Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is Part 1 of a two-part story. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. The alien abductions in Scotland have nothing to do with little green men from another planet. In 2009, members of one of Scotland's most dangerous crime gangs began kidnapping their rivals at gunpoint. Taken from their homes, the victims were robbed of their possessions, which often included drugs, cash and firearms. Hoods were placed over their heads and they were driven to a disused building. This alien abduction gang, posing as armed police, tortured their captives with implements that included power tools, blowtorches and syringes. After suffering a severe beating, along with both physical and mental torture, the victims were then set free. Naked and wandering the streets, they often couldn't recall what had just happened to them. It was either too harrowing or they feared reprisal. The attacks were carried out to control the drugs trade in Scotland by scaring rival drug dealers out of operation or to steal their drugs, cash and guns. An arrest for one of the kidnappings would bring down one of the most sophisticated organised crime gangs Scotland had ever seen. Around midday on Friday, March 13th, 2015, emergency services received a call. A man was found on a grassy verge near to the junction of Stuartfield Way and Stuartfield Crescent in East Kilbride. 
the man appeared to have gunshot wounds to both of his knees. A passerby walking their dog in the town less than 10 miles away from Glasgow had seen the man lying on the ground in agony. The passerby used their mobile phone to call the police. The man told them that he had been held captive, tortured and then shot. Armed officers supported by mobile patrols and a helicopter searched the area for a gunman but were not successful in finding the culprit. Paramedics treated the victim's injuries, then police officers carried him down the grass verge to the ambulance. Dressed in a white forensic-style boiler suit to preserve evidence, the 45-year-old victim was rushed the two miles to Haymire's hospital and part of Stewartfield was closed off as police continued their investigation. Detective Inspector David Scott at the scene gave an interview to the press and stated, Firstly, I would like to reassure people that our inquiries carried out so far lead us to believe that this was a targeted attack. A lot of police activity has been ongoing in the area today, with specialist officers conducting a detailed examination of the scene. Detectives are also in the process of gathering CCTV images from in and around the area, and house-to-house inquiries are ongoing in an effort to gather further information. I am appealing to anyone with information to contact us as a matter of urgency. A forensic team worked at the scene late into the night. The following day, it was reported that the victim had been tortured for two days before he was shot through the kneecaps on a country lane and then thrown down an embankment in view of a nearby supermarket. The man's name wasn't shared with the public and it was understood that he had been transported to East Kilbride by his captors. He remained in a critical but stable condition in hospital and was kept under police guard. Authorities believe the attack was motivated due to a drug debt but were not forthcoming with information to the press. Chief Inspector Mark Leonard also appealed to the public and said, I know people will be shocked when they hear of this incident but I would like to reassure them that I have arranged for additional officers to be in the area. Many people will be concerned, but we are doing everything we can to locate those responsible. The public urged to contact officers at East Kilbride on the non-emergency number of 101 or to contact Crime Stoppers if they had any information that might assist with the investigation. Operation Drakin, a police task force, was set up to examine the events surrounding the man's abduction. The following month, two men from Glasgow were kidnapped at gunpoint. One man was almost killed. Police believe both incidents were connected. A third abduction from an address close to the first happened on November 24th. Masked men barged their way into the property and took the owner hostage before dumping him in Falkirk over 30 miles away. Days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months, but despite a number of appeals, no one came forward to identify the people involved in the abductions. More details regarding the background of the man found in East Kilbride were released. He was identified as Robert Allen. Three men forced their way into his home in Barnsley on March 11th, around 7.30pm. He was then driven 250 miles to Scotland during the early morning of March 12th. Robert Allen's injuries were so severe it was believed he would never walk unaided again. An e-fit of three men the police wished to speak to in connection with the incident was released to the public. 
Detective Chief Inspector Gary Boyd, who was now leading Operation Draken, stated, We believe that a number of men were involved in this violent attack and were keen for the public's help. We are issuing efforts of three individuals who we wish to trace who may have critical information that could help with our inquiries. Do you recognize these individuals? Can you give us names of these people? If you can, please call us. To make it clear, we do believe that this attack was targeted and was not a random assault. The first man was described as between 5 foot 10 to 5 foot 11 inches tall with a medium build in his mid to late 30s. The second was slightly older than the first, around 6 foot tall and had a muscular build. The third had fair hair, a slim build, was 5 foot 11 inches to 6 foot tall and in his late 30s. All the men spoke with Scottish accents. Detectives from Scotland's major investigation team confirmed that they had pieced together the victim's movements over the last two days before the attack and created a timeline of events. In his statement, Detective Chief Inspector Gary Boyd went on to say, The people who carried out this abduction and shooting are merciless and have absolutely no regard for public safety. They have access to firearms as evidenced by this incident and have no hesitation in carrying out extreme violence. They are dangerous individuals and must be caught. Images of a grey transit van believed to have transported the victim, along with his BMW estate car with a distinctive red interior, were released. Once the culprits stole the BMW from the victim's accommodation in Dodsworth, Barnsley, they drove it to Scotland, but the vehicle had not been recovered. It was reported that Robert Allen had been released from hospital under police protection. It was alleged that he'd stolen multiple shipments of cocaine from his captors and owed the money in a drug debt, so the violence inflicted on him was to warn others that stealing from them would not be tolerated. Robert Allen had been pursued by the gang for two years, and during his prolonged abduction, he was punched in the head and body, pistol-whipped, and the gun a Beretta 9000 fitted with a silencer, was repeatedly pointed at him to coerce him to comply. Alan was then punched in the face by a fist wrapped in a metal chain, which broke his cheek. A 14-pound sledgehammer was used to break one of his legs. He was then forced to wash in bleach, and during further beatings a bone was broken in his back. Bruises and lacerations marked his body. On December 16, 2015, police broke down the front door of a property in East Kilbride and a 48-year-old man was arrested and taken into custody in connection with Operation Draken. He wasn't believed to be one of the three men depicted in the EFITS, but he was brought before Hamilton Sheriff Court on December 21st and charged under Scottish law with abduction and assault to the danger of life. He was identified as David Sell who made no plea or declaration. He was remanded in custody pending additional hearings. The following year, a trial was scheduled to take place in October, but after the defence submitted a list of witnesses late, the trial was adjourned to March 2017. The witnesses supported the defendant's claims that he wasn't involved, but again further delays were seen when the defence counsel was unavailable for trial. It would be nearly three years after the abduction that David Sell would learn his fate, but he wouldn't be the only one brought before the judge.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Nearly 10 years earlier, on February 15th, 2008, troops on the Howe Barracks in Canterbury, Kent, were preparing to deploy to Afghanistan. They were taken by surprise when the police raided their quarters. During the raid on the barracks in Canterbury, seven sticks of plastic explosives, 60 firing wires and 96 detonators were found in 37-year-old colour sergeant Gary Graham's locker. A green zip-up bag was also found which contained smoke grenades and blank ammunition along with a metal container which housed further detonators. Traces of explosives were found in the boot of Gary Graham's car and in a vehicle previously owned by a sergeant at the barracks. Kieran Campbell. After a six-month undercover operation, authorities discovered that ammunition from the barracks had been used in a gangland assassination. Six weeks earlier, during New Year's Eve 2007, a drugs raid on the Glasgow home of 26-year-old Andrew Quinn had also taken place. Police found one and a half thousand rounds of rifle, machine gun and pistol ammunition, along with three parachute flares and nine smoke grenades in a black suitcase. An identity card from a 27-year-old Lance Corporal Martin Fitzsimmons was also found, 
along with two kilograms of heroin, scales and bags of diamorphine. Andrew Quinn had been hiding in a cupboard holding a shoebox with £6,000 inside when officers burst into his flat. Quinn was dishonorably discharged from the army in 2002 after failing a drugs test when ecstasy was found in his system. At first, the former member of the barracks denied that he was involved but was unable to say how the ammunition and drugs came into his possession. Traces of explosives were also discovered at his home. He would later go on to admit to being the middleman when brokering the sale of the ammunition. Bullets were being sold on the black market for up to £80 each, and following coordinated raids across Glasgow, both soldiers stealing the ammunition and buyers were arrested. After a three and a half week trial in October 2008 at Maidstone Crown Court, Gary Graham and Martin Fitzsimmons were found guilty of two charges of conspiracy to possess explosives. They were also found guilty of conspiracy to dishonestly undertake or assist in the retention, removal, disposal or realisation of stolen goods. Each received 12 years and the judge requested an investigation into the missing ammunition. Sergeant Kieran Campbell pleaded guilty and received four years after giving evidence for the Crown Prosecution Service. Andrew Quinn received six and a half years in prison at a trial a week later. It was alleged the men were smuggling plastic explosives from barracks across the UK and their scheme unravelled after the raid on Andrew Quinn's home. Plastic explosives are a soft putty-like material that can be moulded by hand. It is often used to demolish obstacles or objects. During the sentencing hearing, the judge addressed the men and said, You have dishonoured your battalion, your regiment, the army and your country. If the explosives are used by those who wish to harm the people of this country, you will have betrayed them as well. Following the trial, it was also reported that just over 100 guns have either been lost or stolen from army barracks in Britain between 2000 and 2007, with only 35 being recovered. Despite several brushes with the law on drink-related charges, Martin Fitzsimmons had served in Bosnia and alongside the SAS in 2005. Fitzy, as he was known, was trained in the use of high-tech surveillance equipment. He was described by a fellow serviceman as a great soldier who thrived on the front line but couldn't face life on the barracks. Fitzsimmons was paroled during April 2015 but again appeared before a judge later that year. He had begun correspondence with his cousin during 2010 while he was in prison and slowly became infatuated with her. The woman who wished to remain nameless received letters which suggested she had better not be in a romantic relationship when Martin Fitzsimmons was released from prison. Martin declared his love for his cousin, insisting he wanted to father her baby and would put a bullet in the back of the head of any other man she had been with. He also threatened to set them on fire. After his fingerprints were found on the letters, he pleaded guilty to engaging in a course of conduct which caused fear or alarm over the period of 19 months. The woman never responded to the correspondence and instead took them directly to the police. 
Martin Fitzsimmons was sentenced to 300 hours of community service and a six-month night curfew. A fellow soldier told the press, everyone knew he was bad news and did their best to keep away from him if they had any sense. He had a real reputation as a bully in the army and used to terrorise any new guys joining the battalion. A lot of people in the army would have been well and truly glad to see the back of him. Just over a year after Martin Fitzsimmons and his accomplices were sentenced for their part in the theft of ammunition, three men were arrested after police carried out a search of a property on Fernie Hill Road in Edinburgh. Following a tip-off that drugs were being prepared at the premises, officers approached the flat at 7.50pm on December 9th, 2009. They found the front door unlocked and could see straight into the kitchen. Two men were cooking although the occupants were not preparing food. Along with 25-year-old Dylan McCallum, 23-year-old Mark Richardson was busy breaking up a large white substance through a sieve as a pot boiled on the stove. They were so absorbed in what they were doing, the two men didn't even notice the officers making their way through the flat. The worktops, kitchen utensils and pots and pans were covered in a white powder. Open containers covered the floor filled with what police believed to be cocaine salt. Mark Richardson and Dylan McCallum were in the middle of preparing crack cocaine, cutting the powder with baking soda, which would have an estimated street value of £700,000. Surprised by the officer's presence, there was nowhere to run and the pair were arrested. After they were taken into custody, a third man, 27-year-old Gary Orr, was also arrested when it was discovered he acted as a courier, transporting drugs worth nearly £120,000 between Edinburgh and Glasgow. As the men awaited trial, due to take place the following year, it was reported that despite his young age, Mark Richardson was a principal figure in the Scottish drugs trade. He had set up an underground network that distributed cocaine throughout not just Edinburgh and Glasgow, but most of Scotland and the north of England. Richardson had a varied criminal record and even helped his father Mark Richardson Sr. distribute cocaine throughout Edinburgh. In 2003, when Mark was 16 years old, he was reprimanded for the possession of a knife while on bail. A year later, he was charged with assault. In 2006, he was again fined for possession of a knife. That same year, he was sentenced to 32 months in a young offenders institute for being concerned with the supply of controlled drugs along with his father, who received four and a half years in prison. He built an empire based on violence and intimidation, amassing a sizable collection of firearms and making drug contacts in Scotland, northwest England and Spain. A police investigation into the Scottish drugs trade spanning a year and a half had been monitoring Richardson and his associates. Nearly 70 people would eventually be arrested. Most of them, it was believed, worked for Mark Richardson in some capacity. Five million pounds worth of assets were seized from the profits of the 17 kilograms of cocaine smuggled into the country by Richardson and his acquaintances. He had connections with the Daniels crime gang, one of Glasgow's most notorious underworld families. He also associated with Kevin Carroll, an enforcer for the gang, and a man who started the Scottish alien abductions. However, Carroll was shot dead in an Asda supermarket in January 2010. 
During the trial at Edinburgh High Court in August 2010, Mark Richardson admitted to supplying £700,000 worth of cocaine between April 21st and December 9th, 2009. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. His co-accused Dylan McCallum, who admitted to being concerned in the supply of £150,000 worth of cocaine, was sentenced to four and a half years. Gary Orr, who also pleaded guilty to being concerned in the supply of £120,000 worth of the same drug, was also given three years and nine months. After the sentencing hearing, Head of Lothian and Borders Criminal Investigation Department, Detective Chief Superintendent Malcolm Graham stated, We welcome today's sentence, which is a testament to the hard work of the police and prosecutors who brought this case to a successful conclusion. This investigation has destroyed a serious organised crime group that was heavily involved in drugs, threats and violence, and which was blighting local communities with its actions. After the trial, Mark Richardson was granted leave to appeal his sentence as he believed the 10-year jail term was excessive. During January 2011, a panel of appeal judges agreed Although they felt he was not a minor player in the drug scene, his sentence did not reflect his position in the hierarchy of the Scottish drug trade. It was reduced to six years and nine months. After his release, it wasn't long before Mark Richardson was again wanted by the police on a warrant as part of an organised crime investigation in Edinburgh as well as a recall to prison order. Towards the end of 2016, he was spotted by police, so a chase ensued and a police helicopter was deployed. Jumping into a black mini, Mark Richardson led police on a high-speed car chase, weaving in and out of traffic on the opposite side of a dual carriageway, before abandoning the vehicle at an SO petrol station in Capochill Road in Glasgow. It wasn't until the following month, January 2017, that he was captured and arrested by the Organised Crime and Counter-Terrorism Unit when he was randomly spotted at what appeared to be an unconnected arrest. Although Mark Richardson's arrest in January was a notable achievement, its circumstances were far less dramatic than the car chase he had led police on, but it was far more confusing. During January, Anthony Woods, Francis Mulligan and Michael Bowman were three men authorities believed to be involved in the Scottish drug trade so were detained by the organised crime unit. Officers had been paying close attention to a vehicle, a silver Toyota Yaris, that had been connected to the criminal's activities. As the officers were busy arresting the three men, a recovery truck arrived to tow the vehicle away. A group of men made attempts to pull the car onto the recovery truck, and police spotted Mark Richardson among them. After a brief chase on foot, he was rugby tackled to the ground and the keys to the Toyota Yaris were found in his possession. Officers were asking themselves why Richardson would take the chance of getting arrested for something as simple as a small compact car. He was making vast amounts of money in the Scottish drugs trade and had escaped from police the month before, so why risk getting arrested again? When searching through Mark Richardson's possessions, an officer noticed a key fob was attached to the keys for the Toyota Yaris. The officer could find no use for it, as it didn't seem to activate any of the car's internal security systems. 
As the vehicle was being analysed, the officer passed the device through his fingers and pondered what this key fob was for. As he did so, a secret compartment in the boot of the car opened. Around 6am on the morning of September 21st, 2016, Robert Kelby was getting his two children ready for school at his cottage home in Raffo, Edinburgh. Raffo is a rural area in the west of Scotland's capital. With only a small population of nearly 2,000 people, it's easy to spot the comings and goings of locals. Along with his wife and children, Robert Kelby's mother and sister were staying at the house too. As the family were packing the children's school bags, two loud cracking sounds boomed through the house. Realising these were bullets, the family fell to the floor. One shot penetrated the glass in a back bedroom window and the other hit a window in the porch. Frantically, Robert shouted at his mother to activate a panic alarm installed in the home and the authorities were notified. Police raced to the scene and the property was cordoned off as a team of forensic officers searched the undergrowth for clues. Luckily, no one was injured in the attack. The home, which is surrounded by CCTV and spiked railings, had also been the location of another targeted attack nearly three years earlier. The shootings were not random. There had been previous attempts to end Robert Kelby's life. He had been shot in the back outside Bannantyne's Health Club in Edinburgh during October 2010, though no one had yet been charged for the attempted murder. It was reported that the attack was allegedly orchestrated by Mark Richardson, who had a long-running feud with Robert Kelby. There were also allegations that he might be involved in this shooting too. As the press surrounded the home, a photographer captured the image of a bullet hole in the porch window. It was believed the shooter had been located at the back of the property, possibly in a neighbouring garden before taking aim and firing at the home. If the attack had been ten minutes later, then Robert Kelby would have been outside the property with his children, and the ramifications would have been far worse. As the investigation to find the shooter continued, details of Robert Kelby's life were relayed in the press. He had been involved in a number of alleged violent incidents, however in all cases he had escaped prosecution. In 2012, the ex-boxer admitted to nearly £150,000 worth of mortgage fraud. He was later required to pay back almost £35,000 under the Proceeds of Crime Act. In 2014, he was declared bankrupt for failing to pay his council tax. After the shooting, Robert Kelby took his family to Fife, while the investigation continued. Two men were captured on CCTV fleeing the scene. One had taken up position hiding among the foliage behind a three-foot-high wall in a neighbouring garden before shooting into the conservatory of the cottage. The pair jumped into a stolen Saab car that was later dumped in West Lothian. Operation Pembridge was formed to find the assailants and four months after the shooting in January 2017, police arrested a male in his early 40s. He was charged with attempted murder. Alan O'Brien, Detective Inspector of Gayfield CID, stated to the press, 
Following a protracted investigation, a man has now been charged in connection with this incident. Inquiries are still ongoing to identify a second man involved in the incident and to trace the whereabouts of the firearm used. 41-year-old Gerard Doherty was identified as the gunman and appeared before Edinburgh Sheriff Court to hear charges of attempted murder and firearms offences, but this would only be the tip of the iceberg. Along with David Sell, Martin Fitzsimmons, Mark Richardson and five other men, Gerard Doherty would go before a judge in one of the most significant organised crime trials Scotland has ever seen. This is the end of episode 16. To hear more on the crimes of those involved and the eventual downfall of Scotland's most sophisticated and brutal crime gang, please tune in next time. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Are you ready to delve into the dark side of your town? These are the true crime stories from 10 towns across the UK. 10 stories of people who might appear just like us, but capable of evil. They are the stories of Murder Town. Who are they? Where are they? They could be anywhere. Every week at 9pm from Monday the 3rd of September, watch the brand new TV documentary series Murder Town, hosted by Catherine Kelly, exclusively on Crime and Investigation. Then join me, Benjamin Fitton, from They Walk Among Us, on this, the official Murder Town podcast, where I'll be following on from each episode and exploring a brand new case from each murder town. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.